Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, April 26th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Chinese companies have raised record funds on U.S. equity markets this year, and pharmaceutical companies are under pressure to suspend their COVID-19 vaccine patents, but they warn of the risk. We'll talk about what's at stake with a big wind power project off the coast of Massachusetts. Then, we'll tell you about the woman who may lead Germany's Green Party into the future. Annalena came out striding in big red heels. She looked very professional. And she really has mastered the way you talk about politics. She knows the economic agenda. I'm Oluwakemi Aladisui, in for Mark Filipino. And here's the news you need to start your day. Political tensions between China and the U.S., haven't stopped Chinese companies from raising money on U.S. equity markets. In the first few months of this year, funds raised by Chinese groups on the Nasdaq and the New York Stock Exchange surged 440% to a record $11 billion. That's according to data from DealLogic. This comes despite the threat of Chinese companies being booted off U.S. exchanges. Earlier this year, the New York Stock Exchange delisted three Chinese telecom companies for suspected ties to China's military, and a new U.S. law could force the delisting of Chinese groups that refuse to submit to U.S. audit inspections. Pharmaceutical companies are under pressure to suspend their intellectual property rights for their COVID-19 vaccines. Countries like India and South Africa And some former world leaders say this would help many countries get the vaccines they need. But drug companies have warned that losing these patent rights, even temporarily, could be risky. Here's the FT's global pharmaceutical correspondent, Hannah Kuchler. So one argument that we've heard that they use is that there's a risk that these novel technology platforms like mRNA get into the hands of the Chinese and Russians. And some of these platforms were proved for the first time during COVID, but can actually potentially be used for all sorts of things. So, you know, future vaccines, future therapeutics even, in cancer, in cardio, really potentially important drugs. And so the vaccine makers are saying, hey, this is a platform technology once you know how to do it once, you might be able to do it to all these other things. And so it is valuable. And then they're saying something that we actually hear previously, perhaps in the tech industry in particular around China, is be very wary about what you give away to free to an economic competitor. Hannah Kuchler is the FT's global pharmaceuticals correspondent. A big wind power project could soon be greenlit by the White House. It's called Vineyard Wind. 64 wind turbines will be built off the coast of Massachusetts. And it's a model of how the eastern seaboard might be transformed by green energy. It's expected that that will create momentum for a slew of other projects that have already been procured by a number of states along the east coast. So it'll probably kick off a spree of building up and down the coast from Massachusetts to Virginia. That's the FT's Gregory Meyer, and he says the project isn't just important for achieving clean energy goals. Also at stake is the administration's promise that a green economy will create high-paying jobs. I asked Gregory, what kind of jobs would Vineyard Wind and other offshore wind projects create? This industry does have potential to 
Well, I mean, it'll, it'll, it will require a lot of workers as these projects are being constructed. And these typically will be quite well-paid jobs involving iron workers and electricians and millwrights and divers, ship captains. Most of the jobs will be construction jobs, so they are not permanent jobs on each project. Some analysts who've looked at the jobs potential of offshore wind say, given the scope of the building push that's being proposed with the Biden administration looking at a target of 30 gigawatts of offshore wind installed by 2030, that'll mean plenty of demand for construction workers on these projects for many years to come. Is there anything the administration can actually do to make sure that these jobs are well-paying? Yes. The states that have solicited offshore wind projects, a number of them have built in labor standards or labor requirements into their procurement so that the wind developers, mostly European companies like Ørsted of Denmark or Equinor of Norway, when they're bidding for these projects, they're selling not just electricity at the cheapest price, but they're committing to having project labor agreements that basically ensure union contracts on these projects or prevailing wage agreements, which essentially ensure at least at the very least union wages are being paid to workers. The Biden administration could incorporate similar provisions. For example, there's a special investment tax credit for offshore wind, and they've talked about having a sort of a labor provision built into that. That would require legislation, though that doesn't exist yet. Now, you mentioned how these offshore wind turbines are made in Europe and only assembled in the U.S. Is there a chance that will change? Vineyard Wind has already selected General Electric, obviously a U.S. company, to supply the 64 turbines to be installed in its project. These turbines are just enormous. They're more than 800 feet tall. And currently, they're manufactured in France by GE, even though GE is headquartered just up the highway, around Cape Cod, if you will, from Vineyard Wind in Boston. But there are high hopes by policymakers that if Vineyard Wind gets approved and these other projects have some certainty that that will foster a U.S.-based offshore wind manufacturing sector. Gregory Meyer is the FT's natural resources correspondent. Europe's strongest economy is headed for elections in the fall. And for the first time, Germany's Green Party could take control. This would have profound implications, not just for Germany, but for the EU. The FT's Berlin correspondent, Erika Solomon, has been following the rise of Germany's Greens and its leader. Erika told me about how the head of the Green Party, Annalena Baerbock, symbolizes how much the party's image has changed. So the Green Party in Germany started off as kind of a raucous, anti-war, anti-nuclear street protest. They used to call themselves the anti-party party. Party. They would show up in parliament with like long hair, long beards, long skirts, knitting. And Annalena came out striding in big red heels. She looked very professional. And she really has mastered the way you talk about politics. She knows the climate change agenda. She knows the economic agenda. The other thing is that Germany's Greens, along had this sort of profile of being the Verbotspartei, the banning party. You know, they wanted to regulate, regulate, regulate. What Baerbach came out with when she announced her candidacy was change, promise, hope, you know, these kinds of big idea campaigns. So what are they thinking about doing when it comes to the economy and recovery from the pandemic? 
They want to invest about 500 million euros over the next 10 years in revamping Germany's infrastructure. You know, as much as we think of Germany as this very advanced country, their digitalization policy is extremely slow. I mean, this year there were a bunch of news articles about how the parliament is finally going to remove fax machines. And there were all kinds of stories about how you had to send documents for contact tracing, um, for vaccination, by mail. You know, it's really highlighted for Germany how behind they are in these kinds of areas. So the Greens are saying we have the advantage as the German government of being able to get out loans for cheap. We want to get 500 million euros into investing in the energy transition, in digital policies. They still have a lot of plans for taxation. There's concern among conservatives about their 1% wealth tax on assets over 2 million euros. They also want to increase income taxes. These are all things that for Germans broadly and for conservatives in particular will be a little bit more tough to swallow. At this point in time, do you have a sense of what the actual chances are for Annalena Baerbach and the Greens winning the chancellorship? So the Greens have this kind of historic pattern of rising high in the months ahead of elections and then watching their gains disappear on election day. Right now, they're getting a huge boost from the fact that their conservative rivals are looking quite bad. And they have this sort of bruising campaign for their own chancellor nominee. After the selection of Annalena Baerbock, the Greens saw a boost in one snap poll. They had the highest approval ratings at 28 percent compared to 21 for the CDU. So it's really up in the air. We don't know. Germany's voters are traditionally stability craving. They could fall back on that in September. Or this could be the sign of Germans really looking for something new. Erica Solomon is the FT's Berlin correspondent. And one final thing. I'd like to invite you to a virtual conference happening this week. It's called FT NextGen, a new deal for the young. Every day, you'll be able to hear FT writers debate ideas about how to make the economy work better for young people. They'll talk about housing, education, the environment, and more. You can register for free at newdeal.live.ft.com. And I'll put a sign-up link in the show notes. And as always, you can read more on all of these stories at ft.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.